Welcome to CTC Inside Voice, technology talk with a cooperative focus. This is episode three, and we're talking with Joe Buttweiler of CTC. He'll tell us more about his job with CTC, share impact stories from the region around the importance of broadband in Minnesota, his experience in the Arrowhead region when fiber optics were brought to that area, and our current application process for the Minnesota Border to Border Broadband Grant. So we're talking today with Joe. Joe is the CTC Partnership Development Manager. Um, this is a new position with CTC. And um, and Joe, maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about what you do in that job and um, how you came to uh, uh, get to uh, to work with, with us here at CTC. Sure. Uh, so my job at CTC is to uh, grow the CTC network and bring the services that the CTC cooperative provides to other areas in Minnesota uh, where we currently don't provide service. Um, and typically that's a more rural area, um, but it might also be a city that um, is wanting another service provider to come into the city um, for reasons of increasing competition um, or providing a, a higher quality of service. Um, so there's a number of reasons that we get involved with local units of government as well as um, bringing services to rural areas. Okay, so in your day-to-day, you, you're in contact with uh, different, um, different cities and areas and maybe talking with people about what kind of, uh, kind of solutions they're maybe looking for in terms of broadband? Yeah, all kinds of different people. I might uh, speak with a, just a homeowner. I might speak with a city council person, a mayor, uh, county commissioners, uh, township officers, uh, business owners, um, the lake associations. Um, uh, really, it's, um, it's not limited to any one um, person that has a specific title. It's, it's a person that, for one reason or another, has an interest in having CTC come to their community. Would you say broadband service is maybe something that people are desiring to, to have in their communities? Uh, is that an understatement? I, I think that is an understatement. Um, you know, for a while, people talked about the value of your home, if you have a broadband connection or not. Um, and they talk about trying to gather data to um, understand what the value is if you have a fiber connection to your home. And that's a really important piece of data that, that people are trying to understand what that, that value is. Um, but then about a year ago, I heard someone say, it doesn't really matter what that value is because your home's not going to be worth anything if you don't have a broadband connection. And I thought, wow, it's so true. It's for the vast majority of the population, if you don't have a broadband connection, um, a younger family isn't going to be looking at buying your home. Um, it, it's um, snowbirds, uh, you know, couples, they want to be connected. They want to talk to their grandchildren. They want to be able to do business. And all those things can't happen today without a broadband connection. With me, you know, I'm sitting on a DSL connection at my house, and I'm running out of room pretty quickly. And especially the things that I can do collaboratively at home too, with the limit in the upload speeds, with a lot of the copper uh, solutions, um, you know, I'm not uh, really very easily able to work at home uh, to collaborate, uh, to send files out, which is something that people don't necessarily think about a lot. Mm -hmm. um, sharing a desktop, that kind of thing, gets a little difficult. Um, video communication, uh, virtual meetings, and that all requires a little bit, well, quite a lot more upload and a lot more room and reliability that copper doesn't necessarily provide. Um, do we do copper solutions or are we just strictly looking for fiber 
fiber builds? Uh, anything new that we do is all fiber to the premise. Um, you know, we, we do have a little bit of wireless out there. I'm trying to get to the some areas where we just don't have the, the capital or we can't quite get that fiber to that home yet. But um, for the most part, it's all exclusively fiber. So we get that symmetrical service that you were speaking about. Yeah, symmetrical. Uh, I explained this in uh, in our previous podcast. So if you want to take a listen to that, if you're listening now, um, the download and the upload can be equal in that case. So there's more information in there. As far as CTC being a solution provider or CTC coming into an area and helping build out fiber service, you kind of have a firsthand experience with that, don't you? Maybe you can tell us a little bit where you came from uh, up north and maybe that program and how you started with uh, your background in terms of uh, the electric co-op in Lutzen. Sure. So, yeah, I'm from uh, northeastern Minnesota. Uh, for the last 10 years, I had lived in Lutzen and worked at Arrowhead Electric Cooperative. And uh, we were um, similar to uh, the crowing power of the Brainerd Lakes area, if you will. Um, and uh, as a business up there, we were struggling with connectivity. We um, had migrated to from something called Frame Relay, which is a older technology. Well, I mean, you talk about slow connectivity up there. I mean, there was... There was news. I mean, you, you guys kind of made the news up there. Yeah. And so, so aside from the Arrowhead Co-op office, um, the only services available were via um, satellite and, and dial-up for the, for the consumers. Um, there are little pockets of um, some um, slower speeds, DSL in a few locations, but not, not much. So really, uh, the county and some residents really took the lead and trying to figure out how to get the community connected. Um, and we kind of got pulled into that conversation and um, became a, a active participant in it. And after a few go-arounds, uh, we applied for uh, federal stimulus funding under the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act back in 2010. And we were fortunate enough to be awarded. And so using those funds and then in partnership with Cook County, uh, we entered into another grant agreement and got some county funding and provide the county some services. And uh, we built a fiber of the premise network in uh, Cook County, which in 2010 was um, ranked 87th out of 87 counties in Minnesota for connectivity. Um, so we moved Cook County from 87 to um, pretty darn near close to number one. It was pretty cool. And the stories that you start to hear from those people that are connected now are, are really fun and how it's changing that place without impacting the unique environment of that area. Um, Cook County is, uh, you know, the Gunflint Trail and Grand Marais and Lutzen, Tofty, Schroeder, Grand Portage. It's all this very uh, North Shore environmentally, you know, great, great recreational areas. And so we don't want to spoil that at all. And, um, but we brought connectivity to that area and it's provided some awesome impacts. Early on, what were some of the impacts that you saw from that when you started to bring fiber optic into that community? You know, I, I uh, kind of had the pleasure of going on our first installation uh, with a technician to the first home that we did in Cook County. It was our friendly, you know, homeowner, um, the, um, uh, one of the parents of this young family. The, she worked from home uh, for a large um, global banking institution. Uh, and her husband is a well driller, and um, we installed fiber into their home, and it was just the the look on their face. It was it was just priceless. Like, oh my goodness, look what we can do! And then the second one was, 
our kids are going to be so happy. Their Xbox, they are going. They went on about the Xbox. Right. A number of comments about the gaming, and then a gentleman walked into the Arrowhead office, and he said, "You know, I have a cabin on Lake Superior, and I'm, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm a physician, and um, I'm just wondering, do you have an internet connection here? It's not to my house, my cabin yet, but is it? Can I use an internet connection here because?" I have this consultation, and it would really help me out. I wouldn't have to drive back to my back to my home in the cities if I could just use it for like 45 minutes or an hour tomorrow. And we had those set up in the office. We had a couple desktops set up, and we had a public network for people to come in and use. And um, he kind of told us what he needed to do, so we set up a little room for him to come in there. And um, it turns out he was meeting with a client in uh, Vancouver, and he did his work for an hour, and he came out of that room and was meeting with his with his um, patient. And he said, "He said, I'm just going to live here next summer. Yeah. As soon as I have connectivity, I'll have no reason to not live on the North Shore this summer. I'm going to spend the whole summer here. I can do my work every single day from my house. This is fantastic." I think people understand sort of instinctively that obviously broadband is a thing, and internet connections are a thing, and you know, things like gaming and things like video conferencing and just communication in general um, has really changed quite a bit in the last 10 to 15 years, especially. And it impacts people physically. What this individual is saying is that I no longer have to leave this area. And that has all kinds of economic and social impacts uh, just in the area. Sure. Alone. Gas, groceries, um, all those sorts of things. Um, but then, you know, like Arrowhead and, and the services that CTC provides, it it's more than just that sometimes. Um, sometimes you have a provider providing you a, a telephone service even, and that telephone service might be having some difficulties. And uh, we had a, a customer up in the Grand Marais area who was operating a, a business dependent upon telephone service, and their telephone service um, went out from their other provider, and they told them it was going to be two weeks before they could get in there to fix their phone line. And Arrowhead walked in the door uh, that day and got them a temporary line, and within a week had a whole new phone system in there. And, you know, those are just some of the, the services as a local provider that we can provide our customers at CTC. What do you want to call it? Uh, yeah. Palette of yeah. <laughs> services yeah. offered. Just, but no, it's, you it's, raise an interesting point because I didn't – you know, I, I'm so focused on broadband and people get focused on Internet. But when you think about just communications in general, you also think about telephone. And, you know, first first and foremost, CTC was a telephone company. That was mm-hmm. our, how we got our start. Well, and for the, for businesses, telephone is, is critical. Yeah. And, you know, at CTC, we provide our hosted voice solution. We call it HPBX. Um, and that's it's a great solution for businesses of any size. And um, But without a good Internet connection it's difficult to provide that, that service. And so um, even in areas that don't have connectivity, they're not having the best voice communications. When you're dealing with fiber optic, you're talking about multi, a multitude of services that, that can work over that, including voice. Um, all the switching has changed over to something that um, is really software-based now. And so you can set up, really there's infinite possibilities when it comes to a, a voice solution, really, especially with fiber. How did CTC get involved up in, in Arrowhead? Uh, well, we were the electric co-op, and so we were pretty comfortable with constructing infrastructure lines, and we own poles, and we can bury conduit. Uh, 
but we didn't have staff that necessarily was very technical and uh, made to hear about all these things, DNS and IP and you know, you know, all those technical things that that yeah. that people here in our network center at CTC deal with. We didn't we didn't have that skill set, as you can tell from me speaking about this <laughs> stuff. Uh, and so, uh, I didn't feel confident that you know we we wouldn't have necessarily been able to hire the right people either, because we didn't even know what questions to ask necessarily. And it just made sense to us to find an organization that had the same values that we held and utilize the resources that they already have to make the project more efficient and the operations more efficient. And so we started reaching out to organizations in Minnesota and um, seeing which one was the best fit for us, um, both in terms of those corporate values that cooperatives have, um, the existing customer base, and kind of what, what we felt their, their strategic you know, business direction was and everything um, that CTC was had going for them seemed to align really well with what Arrowhead was trying to accomplish. We asked Joe for other examples of communities that are searching for broadband solutions and, and what that means to them. I know of a community um, that is having, tr- they have jobs available. They're having in trouble recruiting employees because they have a lack of housing and they have developers willing to build housing, but the developer will not build the housing until there's better internet connectivity because the community doesn't have good connectivity. And until until that community has connectivity, the developer is not willing to build, um, make that investment because they don't feel confident they'll be able to lease out the apartments. We're working on our, our new broadband grant right now, and this is going to... Well, right now we're um, looking at um, a project that would be the third phase of our Fort Ripley project, so it would be just kind of continuing off on that. In this recent build, we were looking at some uh, some data that we had compiled here. Our build that we're proposing... Yeah, well, I, I think I know what you're getting at. So um, the the history of this is... As that local provider, again, we're trying to figure out the ways that we can provide the most value to the community. Our sales manager has been working with um, the Brainerd-Baxter School District IT director, and we're trying to develop a little application right now to help them determine what provider is available at their home so we can make sure that students have good connectivity because the school district, like a lot of school districts, is trying to implement a one-to-one device initiative, which means... Each student has an iPad or a tablet of some sort that they can bring home with them and they use at school every day to do their schoolwork. And so we started looking at how many students did we impact with our grant project in year one and how many in year two and how many will be in our proposed area for year three. And what we found is that we're just shy of 10% of the students Um, were in an underserved area, or an unserved area, excuse me, meaning they had satellite or dial-up available at their homes for broadband service, and that was it. And now that 10% has fiber or um, we're proposing to get fiber to their home in next year's project. Taking that extra step to identify the percentage of students affected by bringing broadband to an area really solidifies to me what we've been saying and how it positively affects people's lives. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool thing. It's not just 
it's it's more real than oh you just you you provide a, a connection to someone's home. No, you're you're enabling uh, the students that live in that home to take advantage of the school district's one-to-one device initiative. It's it, there's it's more meat. You know, it's, you're you're really impacting lives. Yeah, and that's an educational opportunity that wouldn't normally be available to people or wouldn't be available at all if they didn't they didn't have access to sufficient broadband connectivity. What we're saying in this application is we're ready to, and, and we're also adding on to two bills that we've already done as well, so we have proven success there. We just keep leveraging those funds and, and, and building upon them, but, you know, the, it, people talk about speed goals, and um, I listened to someone speak recently, and, and they, they were saying, you know, uh, enough about speed, and they were very—they're very much promoting fiber optics. But they're saying enough about trying to set speed goals. Let's make sure that we're we're future-proofing ourselves by putting fiber in, because once the fiber's in, it's it's good for 30, 40 years. And all we need to do is occasionally change out the electronics on the end of the line, but the cable itself in the ground is good. So let's not talk about as it is. 10 megabits down by 1 megabit down up good enough there is is the state's current speed goal which is 25 down by 3 up is is that good enough now with fiber everything that we're putting in today is gigabit symmetrical capable it's way out there no and you make a good point on that it's like why are we focusing on on some numbers that are going to change you know an investment in fiber optic and in we have fiber in the ground right now that's 30 years old that's performing perfectly fine. So we can actually demonstrate that physically on our own network. So we have a track record there with it too. Huh, interesting stuff. When you're traveling around and talking to new people, what's the mood out there as far as, as broadband? It seems like it affects it seems like it affects everything. You're talking about commerce, you're talking about housing, you're talking about education talking about health care are people desperate or are they trying to invest in something that's going to pay them some dividend i mean what's the goal uh i would say people as individuals or as business owners desperate's probably a pretty fair word uh pretty accurate sometimes um the one industry that you hear a lot about um in the last year is, is precision agriculture you don't hear about it maybe as much in this area, but as soon as you just get a little further south, precision ag is is the thing, and um, it's fiber to the farm, as they call it, is is a big thing. And there are some, there are some desperate farmers out there. Yeah, um, you know when you get maybe more into um, some of the entities that we look to to partner with, maybe because they're being Maybe it's a, a community or an organization that's a little further from where CTC provides service right now, but they're feeling pressured because they're they're operating in an unserved area and they want to try and facilitate connectivity to their community, but they don't maybe want to be really really be involved. So they're trying to reach out. They're trying to find someone like CTC that can come help them. Some of those organizations or you know local units of government or. Um, whatever they might be, they're maybe looking for a return. And that's perfectly reasonable. We just have to make sure that, you know, we're, the goal is to get to get a network built and get people service 
and you have but you have to be able to maintain and operate that network too because there's a lot of costs associated with that uh, with network operations and maintenance too and then we can talk about trying to get return for investors and no one's going to get rich providing um, fiber to rural America we can build a network to most of rural America I think that um, is financially sound and it's 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 doable, but it, it takes a lot of capital to do it. And where we get that capital is, is the biggest question. I think the expertise that a company like CTC can bring in terms of just the management side of it is something that's, you know, that's obviously there. The, the management and, um, and, and scale and equipment. Um, you know, let's just go back to, this is all about, internet, but let's go back to voice services again. Uh, voice services are still very important to businesses, for 911 services, people with younger children. There's a wide variety of reasons why voice service is still extremely important. There's no reason why anyone in Minnesota should ever buy a phone switch. CTC has a, a phone switch that can uh, accommodate millions of phone lines. So if we're going to build a brand new network in a place that doesn't have good connectivity today, um, why should we buy a phone switch? Let's use an existing phone switch like the one that CTC has so that we take the investment that you would be making in a phone switch and maybe you can build another 50 miles of fiber and connect more people. And it's the same thing for other um, hardware and software applications that we use to provide internet services or over our uh, CTC TV services. Let's leverage all that equipment that we have, and it has scale available, and use that to provide services to people. It almost sounds to me like the most important thing to do is just to get fiber into the ground, and then the rest of it can kind of work itself out. Uh, that's a simplification of the process. I mean, there's a lot of engineering involved, and so it seems like that's the, mm-hmm. that's the key. It, yeah, i definitely say that's the key. You know, there's... Um, there's some cases um, in Minnesota and elsewhere where a municipal, a city, has gotten into the telecommunications business recently. Not, you know, there's some cities that have been in the telecommunications industry for for decades, and they definitely know what they're. They've been around. They've been doing it. They know what they're doing. Um, but there's some that have, you know, they weren't able to entice uh, the current providers in their city to provide the level of services that they wanted. So they said, you know, we're going to do it on our own. And they built a telecommunications company from the ground up without partnering or um, tried to do it more so on their own. And um, in some instances, it's worked. And in some instances, it hasn't worked. But it depends on what your definition of worked and hasn't worked has been. Because in one specific instance, there's a struggling municipality. But they now have a fiber-to-the-home network in their community and the people have great connectivity it's financially it's maybe not performing to the level that a lot of people would like to see it perform but the community has fiber and so all those indirect benefits are happening in that community that we talked about people are working from home they're they're they have increased competition so they're spending less money on their uh, connectivity which means they have other disposable income for other things and so you know how is it impacted business recruitment business um, retention um, people wanting to move to the community because of the connectivity so there's a lot of other factors that go into it I think yeah property values is, is one mm-hmm. of those as well so I just got to get this plug in here 
uh, NTCA, which is sort of a parent organization to uh, cooperatives, so the National Telephone Cooperative Association, uh, just recognized CTC um, in the North Central region where we're located. Um, we are the only company that has earned not only the NTCA Certified Gig Capable Provider designation, but also the Smart Rural Community Showcase Award, and then that also includes the Smart Rural Community Collaboration Challenge Grant. Um, we happen to be the only telecommunications company uh, in Minnesota that holds that designation. I think I can take it a step further. You can say that we're the only NTCA member company in the country. We just, the way they word it, we're located in the North Central region, but we're the only NTCA member in the country that has secured all three of those. I know you were just recently up in uh, w at Great River Energy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, Blandon had put on a best approach to broadband. Was it a conference or just a meeting? It, it, was, just, it was just a meeting um, um, for telephone cooperatives and electric cooperatives to get together and talk about partnering and how can we uh, work together to get um, fiber connectivity um, into areas where electric cooperatives are providing service, but there isn't a telephone cooperative located. So how can we work together, similar to how Arrowhead Electric Cooperative and CTC work together, um, and, and how, how, can we, how can we do that more? Um, so we, we were there uh, along with uh, Arrowhead and spoke for a few minutes, and we um, heard from uh, other people involved in, in similar types of activities. And then we're going we're gonna to do this again. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be at the uh, Minnesota Rural Electric Association's Energy Issues Summit, which is uh, just a two-day conference that it's MREA, Minnesota Rural Electric Association, has every year. It's, it's, it's just for electric co-op, um, board of directors, um, managers, and, and um, some few staff people. But uh, we'll be there talking about CTC connectivity and um, working with Arrowhead and, and promoting that more sharing our expertise and experience and seems it kind of sounds like um low-hanging fruit almost it's good for blandon to maybe they got this idea that hey here we've got electric co-ops they already have a footprint why don't we just focus on those maybe as a again it's you know um, both industries there's some similarities but it kind of comes back to that organizational culture as a cooperative and you know, our mission statements are similar. We provide service where no one else has provided service. And in one case, it's kilowatt hours. and the other, it's gigawatt or gigabits. Gigawatts. gigawatts. This, gigabits isn't, this isn't back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that can, I think we can wrap it up on that one. I really appreciate your time, Joe. Thanks for coming in and talking with us. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This concludes our talk with Joe Buttweiler, CTC Partnership Development Manager. You can find CTC on the web at connectctc.com. Our podcast is hosted at soundcloud.com slash CTC Inside Voice. If you'd like to talk with Joe or any of us at CTC, you can call us at 218-454-1234 or toll-free 1-800-753-9104. Thanks for listening and have a great day.